0: Um okay, so uh, the first thing I want to uh, tell you about is uh, one of the first statements that we that we make when when we welcome people to the Seder. Uh, let me just get it for you. Um, it's called Ha Lachma Anya. It says, this is the bread of affliction which our fathers ate in the land of Egypt. Whoever is hungry, let him come and eat. Whoever is in need, let him come and celebrate the Pesach. This year we are here. Next year may we be in the land of Israel. This year we are in bondage. Next year may we be free men. That's like the welcome, the introduction to the Seder. And what's great about this piece is there's about 20 questions you can ask just on on that first paragraph of a, of a few couple of sentences, one of them is why is it in Aramaic altogether? You know, the whole Haggadah is basically in Hebrew. This is one passage that's in Aramaic, which is similar to Hebrew, but it's not Hebrew itself. But leaving that aside for now, uh, what we what we say is to everyone that's around us. Uh, that Yaz the matzah that we ate in Egypt, and hopefully next year we're going to be uh, in Israel. But there doesn't seem to be much of a connection between the, the first part and the second part. What is, what's what's the connection between saying, yes, matzah, and next year we hope to be in Israel? So uh, this rabbi explained that, you know, typically... Uh, at a Seder, you're inviting people, uh, either family or friends that don't have a, a place to go for the Seder. And sometimes they might not feel like they are so special that, you know, you're supposed to feel like royalty on Pesach. You're supposed, supposed to feel like your princes or your princesses, your kings and your queens. That's why there's a halacha that every single person, whether Rich or poor has to drink four cups of wine. Even you know the 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 community is responsible to provide wine for every single person, and the reason is because that's what royalty drinks. They drink wine, and so every single one of us has to feel that that sense of royalty. Now, when you go to somebody else's house. And somebody else is providing you the food and you're not really running the show. You're really at the uh, the mercy of the person who's running the Seder. And that means it might be too slow for you. It might be too fast for you. It might be that the food's not coming on time or it's coming too early. Whatever it is, you're not in charge. So the, this rabbi said that uh, he begins the Seder by saying, we all in the same boat together. It might look like I'm the one that's running the sado, but all of us are not in Israel. All of us are sitting wherever we are, whether it's know uh, Northern California or Illinois or you know, Florida or you know, wherever it is. We are all exiled and we are all outside of Israel. And so you shouldn't feel like you're any different than I am. You shouldn't feel that I'm any more special just because I'm running the sado. You should feel like we're all in the same boat. Now I would say that you know even in Israel, when we say, you know, this year we're we are in bondage, next year maybe be free men. Um this year we are here next year we're maybe in the land of Israel. Even though obviously there are more Jews now living I think in Israel than outside of Israel, and this line might sound Uh, strange because they live in Israel but the second part of the sentence this year we are in bondage next year maybe be free men even in Israel we have to understand we're still in bondage we don't have a temple we don't have safety and freedom you know unfortunately you know there's been a spate of terrorist attacks just over the last two weeks which have just you know terrified the community because they've been so random and 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 you know, so regular and and it's reminds reminds us of all the people that that have lost their lives over the years in Israel for no other reason except that they are Jews living in Israel. Um so uh this year particularly you know when you see refugees fleeing from Ukraine and you see the the horrors that they've gone through it might be a little bit easier for us to imagine the um the suffering that Jews went through not just in Egypt but throughout the generations and how desperately we are you know hoping and praying for world peace and and for us you know to all go back to go back to israel so so that's one that's one idea that that he that he shared the second one that he wanted to. Suggest, which is a good question to ask at the seder. You know, uh, both of you can ask at your seder. You know, just bef- I don't know if you read this particular paragraph. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But you can you can say that it, what, what's most strange about this this uh, statement is that it seems to be an announcement to invite people to your seder table. It says, whoever is hungry, let him come and eat. Whoever is in need, let him come and celebrate. And it sounds like something that you should really do the week before Pesach, or you should announce it in Shul. <clears throat> Why is it that you are announcing it announcing it in the middle or at the very, very beginning, you know, of the Seder? And I don't know if you um if you thought about that, uh, why is it that we that that we inviting people when everybody's already sitting down? If anybody's looking for a seder, they uh, they would have already have found a place to go. Um, <clears throat> so these are the kinds of questions that you know. If you spend a little bit of time going through the seder, you can write down your own questions. You don't have to. Uh, read it in a Haggadah necessarily and find out what the questions are. You can probably come up with the questions yourself because that's the way the Haggadah was designed. It was designed in a way for you to ask questions because the greatest way to learn and to teach uh, and to inspire the next generation is to make it interactive and to have people, you know, ask questions. So the answer that he gives is that, uh, really, we are a people, what does it mean to be free? Uh, and this ties in a little bit to what, Debbie, what you're saying about uh, Michal being on the clean speech, you know, program. The the Kabbalists say that our result says that when we were in Egypt, it wasn't just that we were enslaved, but our speech was enslaved. And when we were freed from Egypt, it wasn't just that we were freed physically, but we were freed Our speech, our faculty of speech was free. So, what does that mean exactly? So, here's the way we can maybe relate to it uh, in today's world is that sometimes we are so busy and we're so busy answering texts and, you know, answering emails and on social media and, and just busy with our lives. That we don't really have time to think and to speak to people in a normal way and to have a, a regular conversation with people. And in some ways, our speech, meaning our relationships with other people, are like stifled. And we we, we don't have the time, or we've we've you know. Kept ourselves so busy that we that we don't take the time, and this is you know for our own uh, immediate family, but not just to our own immediate family, to people around us. We just don't take the time to listen to people and to and to really speak to them. So one of the first things we do right at the beginning of the seder, right at the beginning of the seder, is we use our speech to do something good. We use our speech to say something positive. We, of course, everybody is already invited to the the seder, but we're saying that one of the ways you can use your speech in a positive way is by inviting people to come to your house and, and to invite people who are hungry to come and eat, and that just reminds us what the incredible power of our speech is, and also the power of Pesach is to allow us to speak. So, Pesach night itself is also A great opportunity to use our power of speech, and so the Haggadah gives us lots of opportunities to use our power of speech. And you know, we all know that when you get a lot of people around a room, and you're eating food, and you've got family and friends around, and you're drinking wine, that that is, you know, the Yetzirah's opportunity to get us to speak negatively and not positively. Our natural inclination just leads us to start talking about people and to start finding something nearly, especially about people who are not at the table at the time. <clears throat> so when we when we use instead the opportunity of PESA to say good things, and by starting to, you know, appreciate what it what it is to have freedom. And what we went through and the gratitude that we feel, then maybe you'll feel more gratitude to the people that are around you at the table or gratitude to the people who are not around you at the table. And you'll, you'll, you'll set the, the uh, the standard for the rest of the year to be positive around people at the table. In fact, uh, I'm going to send out an email uh, tomorrow to my list, to the clean speech team in Denver Created a clean speech card to put on your seder table, so maybe Michal, you'll print it out and and it'll create like a whole discussion because they're all going to say, "Oh, I I saw you on TV and I saw you on the video," and then everyone's going to feel like, "Well, I can't say anything bad at the seder because Michal's here and we've got this this card over here." So so it's just a great way. Now now the other thing is obviously not everybody is as careful with their speech, so you've got to be careful not to judge other people. Not everyone has learnt. The laws of clean speech, and uh, some people uh, have have a bigger challenge with this. So, at the very least, each of us should try and be positive when we, you know, when we're speaking on Pesach night, and um, and that's why it says that someone who who continues and talks the whole night, or continues and 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 talks about uh, the Exodus, is praiseworthy. Because mo- the, the whole seder is saying good things. We're praising God. We, you know, praising the rabbis that stayed up all night. We, you know, we praise the children for asking good questions. We give, you know, uh, or when they get you know, give good answers, we we can thank, uh, you know, the people who made the food and and worked so hard to clean the house. And there's so many ways that we can be positive on Pesach night. And when you start off on a good note. Then uh, that's always going to give you a better chance of continuing that way. Uh, in fact, there's another deep idea, something to also, you know, think about, uh, is that there is a uh, an idea. We talk about Rosh Hashanah as being the beginning of the world. That was when the world was created, uh, but the Talmud actually says. That the world was not created on Rosh Hashanah. What it was, now again, this isn't a deep mystical idea. It was, it it was created in God's mind on Rosh Hashanah. But when did He actually create it? He actually created it on Nissan. He created it on Pesach night. So uh, that's one of the reasons why Pesach is so filled with things that we do. Because that's that—that's the world of action. Rosh Hashanah is the day we pray a lot, and we, you know, we do listen to the the shofar, but we really are are using our minds a lot more. Uh, Pesach, we, of course, like I said, I did, you know, we spend a lot of time talking, and there's a lot to discuss. But we eat matzah and we eat maror and we drink wine and we lean and we look for the afikoman. And uh, every family's got different customs of you know uh, what they do with the plagues and what they do with the splitting of the sea. There's lots of action. So we should use this, you know, this night to uh, sort of begin the year, begin, begin our year of spiritual growth in a positive way by doing things. It's not enough just to think about being positive and think about doing good things thinking about <clears throat> learning Torah and, you know, thinking about inviting people, you know, for our, to our seder's, we actually have to do it. So uh, then those are just a couple of, you know, ideas as, as we go into, into, into Pesach. So I'm going to share one more idea. I, I, uh, I see I'm not going to be able to go through what I went through last time, but I want to sh- just share one very, very important idea. And this is, This is an example of how two almost uh, contradictory ideas both make sense. And one of the hardest things to do when you're starting to learn Torah, to understand that you can have two different opinions and they can both be correct. And you see that a lot in in the Haggadah itself, uh, where the different rabbis argue about when should we... You know, start when. When should we say the Seder? Uh, what does this verse mean, and what does that verse mean? There's there's different opinions uh, in in the Jewish worldview. All those opinions are correct as long as they are within normative Jewish, you know, thought. But you can have many, many ideas. So probably the most important. Uh, the most important. Uh, thing that we do on on Pesach night is we take out the matzah and we say, "This is this is the matzah that we ate when we were coming out of Egypt, and this is the maror that symbolizes the bitterness that we had in Egypt." We don't we don't point to the Pesach offering because we don't have a, a temple to have uh, offerings, but we we talk we mention the Pesach offering and uh, let me just find the exact verse because I want to uh, I want I want to make sure that I say it uh, correctly um, so you'll probably recognize this when you get to it in your gut it says Rabban Gamliel used to say whoever does not explain the following three. Following three things, the Pesach festival has not fulfilled his obligation, namely Pesach matzah, matzah and maror. So that that if you're going to if you're going to do nothing else on the seder, those those three things you have to at least mention. So uh, I mentioned this in, in the last class when the when we were talking about the structure of the seder, that there's a verse that really describes the. Uh, the structure of the Seder and uh, I'll read it out to you again uh, because you were in jail last week. Uh, uh, Michael, the verse goes like this. Uh, it says, uh, this is chapter 13, verse eight of Exodus. And you shall relate to your child on that day saying it is because of this that Hashem acted for me when I came forth out of Egypt. So it's because of this verse that Rabban Gamliel has his statement in the Haggadah. Because I'm just going to read the verse, just that one particular phrase. He says, it is because of this that Hashem acted for me. But it doesn't say what this is. So Rabban Gamliel understands that this is the Pesach Matzah and Marov. And it's because of the Pesach, Matzah, and Maror that Hashem took me out of Egypt, which means that the whole purpose that we came out of Egypt was not just to be free to do whatever we wanted to. The whole purpose of coming out of Egypt was to do the mitzvahs, to to eat Matzah, to eat Maror, to, to eat the, the Pesach offering. And so one of the ideas of Pesach is that uh, wherever we are in our lives we are slaves to something we are the slaves to our Yates of horror or we can become slaves to what I would call the Yates of talk to our good inclination we can become sort of addicted to just like I think the two of you I was telling Michael how proud I am of her and how, much, how far she's come this last year and, and a lot of my students you know how far they've gone and Debbie you certainly are someone who you know you know yourself how far you've come over the last you know couple of years um but you've sort of become addicted to learning torah i'm sure that if a week goes by and you don't learn some torah you feel like there's something missing in your life like like you can't really explain it and you can't really explain like why is it that 3 years ago th- this was not something that i was in the habit of doing but now I'm like drawn to learning something. It doesn't have to be, you know, an hour every day. It doesn't have to be, you know, even you know, an hour a, a week, but you 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 feel like you have you've become a slave to your you know to the good things that you're supposed to do. You know, so that's one way of looking at this verse, that it's because of all the things that God wants us to do in order to become better people and to and to reach our potential, that that's why he took us out of Egypt, and that's why we were, you know, we were freed. But there's another way of looking at it in the completely opposite way, uh, which is fascinating. And that is that instead of saying that um, the reason why uh, we do the mitzvahs is because God took us out of Egypt, and, and, and it's a remembrance of, of, what we, of what happened in Egypt. But the whole reason why we went into Egypt in the first place, and the whole reason why our history developed the way it did, is because our whole purpose in life is to do mitzvahs. And so that changes the way that we look at history altogether. So just again, just explain the two ways. I just said I'll make it clear because maybe I didn't explain it clear enough. Two ways of looking at this. One is that the reason why we do the Pesach Seder every year is to remember all the good things that God did by taking us out of Egypt. It's sort of like reminding us of all the good that he did for us. But the other way of looking at it is that the reason why we went to Egypt in the first place so that history would allow us to come out and then be allowed to do all the mitzvahs. So that means that we are living in a world today when we see whether it's the pandemic or it's what's going on um, in Ukraine or what's going on in our own personal lives, what we have to understand is that these are not things that are just random and just happen to have happened. And, and we've got to try to get past them. And we, and we've got to get on with our lives. And, and this is like a, um, like a distraction. What we have to look at it is that all of these things that are happening in our lives are to teach us lessons on how to become better people and how to appreciate all the things that we do have, whether it's our health or whether it's our own physical safety, that the, the events in our own personal history. Uh, or otherwise we wouldn't be living through these times. God didn't put us in this time in history, you know, and to witness these things. And this can mean by the way, things that happen in our daily lives. When you, you know, when you see someone that's in need, the way to look at it is that this is designed in a way for me to take advantage of this opportunity to help someone and become a better person. And this way it just makes Pesach a much more relevant holiday for our, you know, for our lives right now, instead of looking at it as something that's just ancient history. Um, all right. So I've given you a couple of things to think about. Uh There's obviously a lot, lot more and you've still got a three or four more days. You know, I'm sure uh you're both very busy, but see if you can find some time to go through the gutter, find some more questions. And and the last thing I will say, and I mentioned this to Michal earlier today, and I think, Debbie, I mentioned this too, that just before the Manishtana, when it says, yeah, the son asks or yeah, the child asks, that's an opportunity. We've started this tradition in our family that I say that to stop and pause and let everybody take a minute or two to ask our Father in, you know, in heaven, for anything that we need. And this year, you know, we thought last year that that the pandemic was over. We thought that we never imagined there would be a war. But there's so much to ask, and the and the and it's not just about your own personal safety and your own family safety and health. It's it's really you know a lot more a lot more personal. I mean, a lot more broad than our own. Our own personal situation. All right. So uh, I wanted to hear from two of my favorite students. What what you thought about that? And if you have any any questions or comments.
1: I mean, I think it was, I like the way how clearly you separated the two examples of how to go about it. And just the past two podcasts that I listened to it's it gave a little bit of both examples for both yes. I think that was something really interesting and also going off of the, this whole time you were talking I was thinking like what I'll tell my family and my family friends at the Seder and I think what I feel I could in simplistic ways explain would be those two ways and kind yeah. of give, give examples of those and connect it to what's happening in Ukraine I think that would really capture everyone's attention at the table and lead to a good discussion
0: you no, excellent excellent how about you debbie
1: yeah um agreed Michael. so um i think this is so interesting just to really recognize that the seder itself is is all about speech i mean there, there's action of course as well there's eating there's drinking there's leaning all that but you know ultimately a story is is words and and by transmitting those words to the people at the table and and having positive speech at the table um, there's, it's just such a rich opportunity, um, and I was also uh, reflecting this week, since the Torah portions have been so much about, um, la, you know, lashon hora. And yes, hora, yes. That, uh, you know, when you think of like what Hitler did, you know, at first it just started with words. It was like, right. well, not so good, you know, and, and, and it was all words, and then then it became, you know, laws and and all, all of the rest. How it all went downhill. Mm. Um, and then also I'm seeing how uh, Zelensky is, you know, able to go on TV, in, you know, in video and be very convincing to the different parliaments all around mm-hmm. the world and, 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 assembly things to save, you know, not just the Jewish people, but the country. And um, it's just very powerful. You know? And they ask him trick questions like, well, do you, you know, think Biden is doing enough? You know, he, he's so good. He says, you know, I have nothing but gratitude i'm very grateful to yeah, you know wow very careful with his words and those of course in a totally different language right because uh so there's so much opportunity for positive speech and um and it's so fascinating to think of uh all the ideas so yeah so thank you so much yeah. Robert, including me in in michael's study yeah. so really no it. listen
0: it's great i i uh the there's nothing nicer than when you're teaching people that they are attentive and they and they're listening to what you you're saying. And it's a challenge when you're at a seder, and you know people might be tired or hungry, to somehow find something that's going to catch their attention. And even if it's just one thing, one thought that might get them thinking, it might just be the start of a journey for them. Just like you know, Pesach. I was listening to a talk last night. Maybe I'll end with this because we'll. Talk about this going forward is that many people think that coming out of Egypt was a one day uh, experience. And we celebrate Pesach for, you know, on the night of the, the 15th of Nissan, because that's when we came out of Egypt. But really, coming out of Egypt was a process that began on the 15th of Nissan. It actually began even earlier when, you know, when uh, last week we celebrated Shavuot when they took the sheep and they sacrificed the sheep and they put the blood on the doors, but it's a process. And so uh, the process begins on Pesach and it continues for the next seven weeks to Shavuot when we get the Torah. And uh, that's really the journey that we are all going on in our lives, is that uh, whenever we get inspired, whether it's Pesach or it's you know it's something else that happens in our lives that we get inspired by, then our job is then to take that inspiration and then keep on growing, and 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 use the Torah as our beacon, as our light to to guide us. So in the weeks that are coming up, you know after Pesach, you know uh, there are lots of opportunities also to find areas in our lives. Uh, to improve and to increase our, our, our learning Torah. And, um, and I'm, I'm giving you both a, a big blessing that when we come next year to Pesach, say that you'll be able to give a class like this to your friends and your family. And you'll be able to you know tell them all the insights about Pesach that you've learned over, over the next 12 months. And you don't have to wait until you don't have to wait until a week or two before Pesach. You can, they're going to be insights that you're going to find throughout the year, whether it's in the Torah portions, dealing with the Exodus or learning about Loshan horror and, you know, the Yetzirah and all these kinds of things. You can take notes and you can, and you can keep them, you know, until Pesach comes around and then you can put them all together and, and, and make a, you know, an exciting and fun Seder for everyone. So I wish you all a very, very exciting and meaningful Pesach and, Like I started off with, next year we should all be in Jerusalem, and we should all be safe, and we should be healthy, and we should, you know, see, you know, everyone uh, in Jerusalem eating the, what's called the korban pesach, the pesach offering, uh, in good health. So thanks again for your time, and uh, and we'll see you. We'll see you after Pesach. Looking forward to hearing about your your Thank you, Rabbi.
1: thank you to the both of you
0: yeah all right all right take care bye-bye
1: thank you